You're listening to Canada's Court, your home for all your Canadian basketball needs. Here's your host, Philip Drost. Well, as you know, basketball, along with uh, most things in the world, has come to a halt. The NBA season has been put on pause, along with pretty much all professional sports, and even the Olympics has been postponed for a year, all because of the spread of COVID-19. And a lot of people are asking, what's next, including myself. And to help me make sense of all this, I've reached out to Howard Beck. Howard Beck is a senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report. He does excellent work there and is also the host of uh, the Full 48 podcast. Howard Beck, it is truly an honor to uh, have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. No, my pleasure to do it. And uh, thanks for having me. And uh, we, we'll see if we can invent some basketball discussions to, uh, to have. <laughs> uh, now, I, I went through a bit of an internal debate when I was trying to decide how I should introduce this podcast. I thought about saying, what up, Beck? But I feel like I, there might be some copyright problems there. I didn't want to get any legal trouble, so I, I, I held off on that. It's, it, you, you absolutely could. To my knowledge, Zach has never sued anyone for copyright infringement okay. so far. All so right. uh, I, I believe it's, it's almost like public domain at this point. Okay, okay. Well, uh, most importantly, how, how are you and your uh, family doing? We are all fine. Thank you for asking. We are here in New York, which obviously is, is you know, the global hotspot for the virus right now. But, uh, you know, in, in general, I feel like being here is, is not much different than being anywhere else right now, which is that if, if you're doing what you should be doing as a, as a good citizen of the world, uh, you're inside all the time. And so that, that there's a lot of, you know, happening around us and that obviously the hospitals are, are having a really difficult time and, and, you know, thoughts go out, obviously it's all the doctors, nurses, everybody in, in the field doing uh, what they can to, to, to make us safer and to treat patients. It's obviously, you know, very difficult for them. It is, um, in general, as a as a citizen living day to day, you don't feel it because it it's you you know it's all around you. You know there's a lot more people sick here than anywhere else, but it's we're all just kind of insulated from it because we're inside most of the time. You know, taking a daily walk, taking an occasional trip to load up on groceries, and that's it. We're we're mostly just inside, so you don't really feel it. Um, New York, being the, the the city that it is, it's very strange to see the streets empty when we do go out, and it's very quiet. And there's no traffic, and that's just bizarre. And I don't think I'll ever see this again for the rest of my life. Um, other than that, though, it's I, I feel like there's more sirens than usual, and that's always a little disturbing. It's kind of this, you know, constant reminder or or periodic reminder that things are not normal. Um, and for somebody like me who works from home a lot anyway, when I'm not at, at, at NBA games um, or on the road, you know, I'm I'm used to being at this desk where I'm sitting right now, so. It's uh, it, it's part of this feels a little bit normal ish, but, you know, you're always conscious of the fact that we are living in the most abnormal time of our entire lives. What has the past few weeks been like for you in terms of being someone who who covers the NBA, which obviously is no longer happening? It's it's strange. I, I, I think I was saying this to somebody yesterday that. It's not just the absence of the NBA, and this is not to diminish that part of it at all. It's my livelihood. It has, you know, covering this league has been my career for 23 years. And so having that, um, you know, just, just disappear 
in in the middle of a season in March is certainly strange, but I it's just so much bigger than that right now. It, it, I'm not on a day-to-day basis thinking, oh, I really wish I had the NBA to watch or an NBA game to go to. It's more that my entire routine is gone, like everybody else's. It's more that I, you know, I, I can't go to the gym. My family and I can't, you know, take the uh, quick trip to see some family that we were going to do the, literally today. We were going to be on a plane to California um, to have a, a quick family trip with, with family out in California. Um, it, it's all the other things that we just can't do. So, yes, I feel the absence of the NBA, but I, I think to me, it's more about the absence of, of everything, of all normalcy, of all routine, of all the things that we just would, are used to having available to us on a day-to-day basis that are not, and just adjusting to that reality and being inside so much. Um, and then on top of that, sure, um, especially at this point in my career, you know, when I was a beat writer covering the Lakers or covering the Knicks, you're totally plugged into a team. You do, you're, you're at every practice, every game, every shoot-around. You're on the road a lot. In my current role... I'm more of a, a, a long-form feature writer, and and those depend on themes to emerge over the course of a season, uh, you know, storylines, um, you know, uh, relationships that you see evolving, you know, rivalries, uh, trends within the league, all of these things that there's just just there's just nothing there. Everything just stops, and so uh, there's there's not as much to kind of ponder in terms of okay, well, what. You know, what kind of stories could I be doing? Because it's usually based on something that's that's fairly current. Um, the absence of basketball is, is a story in itself, but there's really, I think, a limited number of ways of talking about the lack of the NBA. Yeah, for sure. And 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 it's just so it's just so weird to see ju- just nothing happening from that standpoint. I know the NBA has tried a, a few different things to try and keep people engaged, but yeah, there's really it doesn't compare to that that level of competition in those storylines unless you're really uh, into uh, who's going to win that 2K tournament. <laughs> um, what what was it like for you when, when this kind of all went down? Where were you when you heard that the, the NBA was going to be actually – uh, suspending the season. I know for me, when I was there, when I was, uh, I was just sitting at home and at first I just didn't even believe it. Cause it just seemed so wild to me. I knew beforehand they'd been, they'd been considering not playing with fans and there was going to be some games without fans, but then just, uh, shut it down like that. It just seems so dramatic. Yeah. Um, well, in terms of the where, I was in this exact same desk chair at this desk staring at this same computer screen. <laughs> um, uh, I can't remember what I was doing exactly that I was planted here as opposed to in front of my TV. I think I think whatever I've been working on at that moment, um, I, I, I think I then glanced at Twitter, saw that you know, the there had been a, a, you know, a, a holdup in the in the Utah Oklahoma City game starting. And immediately my mind's going to, oh my God, there's there's something going on here with with the virus, with somebody testing positive. Like it just, it's the obvious thing. And so then, you know, then I'm just watching it kind of unfold on Twitter. Then moved from watching it unfold on Twitter to watching it unfold on my TV, um, and and just seeing, uh, you know, this how rapidly it all just kind of unfolded, and and knowing this is it, like this, this is this is the moment. This is when this is the dividing line between. What was the norm? You know, the, the the norm, even with this around us, even knowing there was a threat of things happening, this is the dividing line between the 
um, concern, the speculation, the fear about this versus the reality of it. That that's the dividing line. And then, of course, just, you know, watching um, NBA TV, covering it live and then talking about is that Sacramento game going to go off and thinking, like, why are they even considering playing this game? Like they should just shut down everything. And I know they had to let the, the games that were already underway finish. But, um, yeah, it just, and, you know, then, of course, it's immediately, you know, smooth, you know, switching gears to, OK, how do we cover this? What do we write about? What's my reaction in the moment? Because my editors are going to need something tonight. Um, but yeah, I, I you know I, I think I was pretty uh, cognizant exa of exactly what we were seeing unfold and what it would mean, um, and the only question really being how long it would be. And when Adam Silver then says, you know, it's 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 going to be a thirty day you know pause, even then I knew like this is not thirty days. Like this, <laughs> there's you know that's that's the conservative way of doing it. That in, in case some miracle happens, you can start up again, but there was no way it was ever going to be just 30 days. Well, uh, if I'm, if I'm having a, my proper recall, my memory is serving me right. I think I just recently heard that in Toronto, like they're not even going to have public events till I think July or August. So even, even, even right there, if you can't have games, uh, in Toronto, at least for Canadian fans, that's going to be a, a bit of a problem and a, a sticking point. And I think that that probably presents an even bigger challenge when we talk about, uh, when this can all resume is that so many cities and and states and and in Canada's case provinces are going to be handling it different than each other I imagine they will they have to and you know it's important to note that whatever people may hear or perceive coming out of the White House uh, it's really not up to you know the, the the federal government or the president to decide when sports, are going to start up again. Um, and, you know, then that's, you know, point, put this out off, off to the side. Obviously, even if the NBA wanted to start up again, if Toronto weren't ready, that, that poses, yes, another challenge. But let, let me just focus on, on, mm -hmm. you know, on, on the U.S. for the moment. Um, governors and mayors, local government has been more proactive and more assertive ab about dealing with this crisis anyway. And... And they're the ones who set the, the tone, they set the rules, and they're the ones who are going to decide when it's okay for a gathering of more than 10, more than 50, more than 100, whatever it's going to be. And remember, until the shutdown happened, and, and on the night that Adam Silver shut down the league, we were 24 hours away from the Warriors playing with no fans in the building in San Francisco because local government there had said no more mass gatherings. So local government was ahead of the game. Um, and it will be governors and mayors and public health officials in, in various uh, places in this country who will decide when it's safe for mass gatherings again, whatever whatever mass gatherings means, whatever threshold of, of people that is. So um, there, there's no – you don't want this to be a piecemeal approach for the NBA, but it almost has to be because you're in 28 different markets, and you, you can't sync them all up. So then that, that's what leads to discussions about like the bubble and going to Vegas or going wherever and having everybody be on lockdown and quarantine um, because it might be the only way to do it. But I, I, if we're talking about a return to actual normalcy, being you know basketball games being played in all 28 NBA markets again, then that's going to require every one of those markets having been deemed safe by local officials 
and 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 governors. And um, that that's that's a, that's a high bar. And especially because obviously this crisis is unfolding at a different rate in different places. And you know, as as things you know get under control in in one place, they may not be anywhere near safe somewhere else. What do you think? Is it even possible to consider what a most likely scenario might be for the NBA? Because I've heard I've heard a lot of different things from like a, a shortened season, jumping right into playoffs, a shortened playoffs. Even is there really any way to even even think of what could be most likely, or is that just all speculation at this point? There is. There's nothing. There, it's it's impossible. There yeah. there is truly no way for anybody to say how this is going to play out. Um, it's impossible to know when the NBA can, can start playing again, even if you were doing the bubble, even if you were doing no fans, even if whatever the p- parameters are, whatever the fastest road back to playing is or is believed to be, we still don't know when that is. We don't know what that date is. We don't know. Um, it's you can't you can't anticipate all this you know there we were over the last couple of days we're starting to see where the curve is maybe being flattened a bit and we're getting to a point where it looks like social distancing is working okay great but you you can't just now now take your foot off the gas um or the brake whichever one we're pressing right now um (laughs) and and so, you know, it's, it's, we're probably still weeks away, at least, if not months away, from being able to say, okay, we can resor- uh, uh, resume normal life. Um, but even then, other p- aspects of, of normal life are going to come back sooner than sports. Sports may be one of the last things that gets back to normal. I mean, we've got to get, you know, schools and, and libraries and restaurants and all these other things back first. Um, sports should not be the, the top priority and, and probably won't be and, and involves the most people once you consider the, you know, the number of fans and, and, you know, so no, I, I, I don't think it's, it's fun to discuss from an NBA fan perspective and a media perspective. It's fun to discuss, Hey, what would a 30 team tournament look like? Or, you know, should we just cut it off where the standings were on the date that it stopped and, that's the playoff field, or should it even be smaller than that? Should we only take the top four in each conference because they're pressed for time? Should we play best of five, best of seven, best of three? Like, there's, it's interesting to talk about because that's what we do with sports. We speculate and we, we argue all these things, but we don't really know what the window of time will be, when it can start, when they need to finish, how, how deep the NBA is willing to push next season. Uh, there's just so many variables and so many unknowns still as we sit here on April 9th as we tape this. And and I think that that's, that's what people should keep in mind. Like, I, you know, I, I don't begrudge anybody wanting to have those discussions. They're <laughs> fun. It's interesting to talk about. But there, if, you're, if you're trying to, to uh, you know, assert that there are any hard and fast answers or we know we can do it by this date and it'll, and it'll look like this, then you're fooling yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of that's the vibe I've been getting as I've been – just reading up on everything, there's just no, just with the amount of uncertainty that comes with how long this is going to last, and as you said, changes between places, it's just so difficult. I mean, if you were talking about maybe just stuff happening in one city, like a local rec league, then it might be easier to to dictate when you could play that again. But yeah, it's just just so much uncertainty, and 
I have to think that this has a big impact on the players as well. I mean, you had uh, the Houston Rockets director of uh, athletic performance on your podcast, which I would recommend anyone to go check out because it was really informative. But what do you think is going to be the the impact on on players? It's a great question. Um, so yeah, I had so Javar Gillette is the director of. Uh, of um, what, what, I can't remember what his title was, <laughs> fitness or whatever, uh, uh, tra- you know, head trainer essentially for the Rockets. I had him on, on my podcast. I had Danny Green on early in uh, early on in the shutdown, and, and, and Danny mentioned, and, and Javar Gillette said the same. A lot of guys don't have access to basketball hoops. They just don't. Like uh, Players' permanent homes are usually somewhere other than the city that they're playing in. So even if you have a suburban home somewhere that maybe has a driveway or a backyard and a, and a basketball hoop mounted, you're not at that house. You're in an apartment in, in the city that you play in for most of these guys. And a lot of them are in apartment buildings. And those apartment buildings don't have necessarily a, a courtyard or some other kind of, of, of you know, available gym or, or anything. And they don't have access, the players don't have access to team facilities right now. So a lot of guys, while they may be doing whatever they can to still train, and teams are doing everything possible to provide them with equipment, with, you know, stationary bikes and resistance bands and whatever, dumbbells, whatever it may be, you can try to keep in shape. And I'm sure players are doing their best to do that. But forget not even being able to play pickup ball, which they obviously can't do because social distancing. You can't even shoot. Most of these guys cannot even, unless they're just like crunching up paper balls <laughs> and throwing them in the in the garbage basket, like, so this, there's never been anything like this. We've had lockouts that, that took out parts of seasons and that, um, you know, that, that forced players to be out of the game for longer than, than they normally are for months at a time. But even in those cases, they could play pickup. They could go to, to, to their local health club. They could do whatever. This is different. There is just no basketball available to these guys at all. And, um, so that has consequences for this discussion too, because, you know, even if, you know, there was a, a, a miracle cure tomorrow and NBA teams could go back to their facilities and start working out again, it's going to be weeks before guys are really ready to play. Um, and again, Javar Gillette, when he was on my podcast, we had this discussion and he said six to eight uh, sessions is what they would need. And by six to eight sessions, that's not six to eight days. That's six to eight uh, sessions of guys working out both, you know, you know, physical fitness, cardio and basketball training. And that's over about probably three weeks, he said. Wow. So whatever you think the date is that you're saying, go that, that we're saying, okay, it's time to get back to normal. Count out at least three weeks from there before you're even having an exhibition game, much less games that matter. Cause they're going to have to have at least, I don't know if exhibition games or maybe just inter, inter- squad scrimmages, something, it's going to take a while. So I, th- I think this is and, – and then and then if they did play, like the basketball is likely to be really ugly because everyone's going to be out of sync, not just in their own games but with each other. Yeah, and like you said, it's, it's ugly sometimes coming back just in uh, preseason, and that's when guys have still been able to at least uh, get up shots and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it, it could be a little rough. One of the things I actually just – just start thinking about now as we're having this conversation is is what's going to be the impact on on players who are looking to be drafted. I saw uh, someone from uh, Nova Scotia, which is just by New Brunswick, uh, just declared for the NBA draft. But 
for those guys who are waiting to see if they can make the league, that's got to have a, a big impact on them as well because not only can they not work out and train, I mean, this is what they were probably hoping would be their livelihood going forward. Yeah, you know, they're in limbo a little bit, but, um, you know, it's, you know, again, we're in early April. The lottery is, is you know, mid-May. The draft is late June. So nothing has really actually impacted these guys yet. I mean, obviously, if they were playing college ball, they've had that taken away. Um, and they, you know, they also can't work out right now and they can't make the rounds with teams or prepare for pre-draft camp, prepare for the, the whole, you know, you know, gauntlet that they that they go through in preparation to be drafted. So it's affecting them. But I don't I think the real impact on the draft class of 2020 will be if the draft itself doesn't happen in late June when it's scheduled, because, you know, that's, you know, look, obviously, first of all, it's a it's a it's a, a crowning, incredible, emotional moment for all of these guys as, as they ascend to the NBA. And it's, it's, you know, it's such an important moment for so many guys' lives and their young careers. And that will be most likely paused at least. And, and who knows, you know, maybe we're seeing a virtual draft in late June. Maybe guys are, you know, all sitting in front of their computers and the draft is held on zoom and, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll still, you know, Adam Silver will be at home uh, and, and announcing names from his, his, you know, desktop computer at home and, <laughs> And, and, and guys will be connected via Zoom and we'll get to see their reactions. I mean, who knows? The NBA could get really creative with it. But until the NBA actually starts playing games again, until the business of the NBA starts again, the checks won't come in. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that they can sign contracts. I mean, we still have to figure out, the, the NBA still has to figure out how they're dealing with all the financial losses. And that's an ongoing discussion with the players' unions. So can rookies in the draft class of 2020 uh, get drafted and then sign contracts and start earning NBA paychecks if the league isn't even operating. Um, so that's when the that that you know when you ask about the fate of those guys, like that's to me what I think about. I like right mm-hmm. now, it doesn't really matter that much. I think it's the draft night itself and when you can actually start earning money because for a lot of these guys, you know, that's how they're going to support their families, and that's that that'll be when it really hits. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, you mentioned uh, a lot of the the NBA players who are stuck in apartments and things like that. Uh, the, the one, I don't know if I'll call it a positive, but there has been some entertainment. Some players have taken it upon themselves to still try and have a, a little bit of fun on social media. I know uh, Serge Ibaka has uh, been doing some uh, some funny videos through the Raptors. Uh, has there been anybody that you've been, you've been seeing online that have has at least uh, kind of provided some entertainment for you during these uh, the basketball deprived weeks. <laughs> um, I'm not spending a lot of time looking for the Instagram or the TikTok videos. That's fair. Uh, myself, um, you know, I've, I've kind of you know I I'm, I've, I've put my my attention into other things. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm you know I'm obsessing just over the news cycle of, of the virus itself, obviously, and and, and all just our politics in this country. Um, but uh, there have been some good stuff. Like the one I, one of Matisse Thibel's early videos where he was like, you know, I think it was a, was it a ping pong ball that he was like bouncing through some random piece of artwork with a hole in the middle. <laughs> yeah, um, something like that. I, what I gather, from what I gather, he's been doing a lot of really good stuff online. Um, 
but no, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> spent a lot of time watching the, the, the player, uh, whole videos. Uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, finding, finding my own ways to keep amused here. That's fair. Now, now the NBA has tried a few different things to try and keep people watching. They've got players playing NBA 2K. They're running some old games and I guess they're going to try and figure out a way for, for people to do horse, uh, virtually. Uh, what's your kind of sense on how well that's working? Is it, is it gaining a lot of interest, or is it kind of just, uh, just getting by? Yeah, a hard thing to to gauge. I I don't get the sense that the two K uh, tournament is really capturing the imaginations of a lot of NBA fans. Um, and I didn't watch any of it. I it's just I, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. Uh, you know it, it's. I'm, I, I'm, the idea of like I know like Twitch is a big thing, and I know watching other people play video games is a big thing now. Uh, maybe I'm just you know well I, I, not maybe old I am old. Um, it 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 just has no appeal to me to watch other people play video games, even if it's NBA players playing an NBA video game. Like it's just I'm sorry, it's 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 not the same thing. Um, so I don't know how how successful that's been. The horse idea is at least somewhat interesting. Um, it depends on how they execute it. I'll be curious to see how that goes. Um, but I like the idea that the NBA is doing this, you know, what are they calling it, NBA Together or whatever, where every day there's a couple of games, some on NBA TV, some that they're broadcasting on Twitter, where it's, okay, let's everybody rewatch this one classic game, this playoff game, this you know, uh, you know, historic matchup or something, watch it together, and then discuss react uh like that that's a good idea they've done a lot of great psas steph curry interviewing dr fauci i think was a real highlight uh for the nba during this shutdown um and and it's also just been nice to see nba players and coaches and teams doing doing a lot to try to help uh you know the community at large to help doctors and nurses to you know uh raise awareness to donate funds like all of that i think has mostly been positive but in terms of the entertainment aspect of it they're you know they're 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 look they're pulling out everything they can think of <laughs> and I, I tip my hat to them because they're doing what they got to do uh, obviously none of it is quite going to match up to having real nba basketball yeah the the only thing that in canada they've been uh, replaying the the finals run from last year and uh, i don't have the numbers in front of me but the uh the philadelphia game seven uh Game seven rewatch got quite a few views. I think, uh, while well, even on social media, everyone was once again talking about that shot. So uh, Canada has a bit of an advantage, seeing as uh, the uh, the Raptors got to the champion, won the championship last year. And uh, the 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 silver lining in this for Canadian fans, I guess, is the Toronto Raptors are going to be one of the longest reigning champions from a single win. I mean, it could be a two-year reign. It really could be. <laughs> and that's um, a... There may, never, there may never be a champion crown this, this season. It's, it's, it's absolutely a, a possibility. Now, uh, on some of the, uh, the... Have you watched any of the, uh, the, the games that have uh, been replayed? I, watched, uh, I just watched that Game 7 one. But, uh, and I actually watched, I watched the, uh, a bit of Phoenix Suns versus uh, New Jersey Nets back when it was Steve Nash versus... Jason Kidd. So there's there's a little bit of fun in that and being able to see that. Um, but you you you'd mentioned earlier that you, there were so many interesting storylines coming out of this season. Was there a, a, a specific storyline or or a, a kind of 
thread there that you were really looking forward to see come to fruition that now you you might not be able to see? Yeah, I mean, there, was a, there were a bunch. But, I mean, the obvious ones, it, it certainly looked like LeBron was going to have a chance in year 17 at age 35 to get back to the finals and maybe win another championship despite, you know, a year ago everybody kind of riding off uh, you know, the, the Lakers or his window, like it, it was this, you know, a lot of talk of, of in the midst of his injury and the Lakers underachieving and um, everything that was going on there that, uh, that maybe his window was shut. And here it was, you know, maybe LeBron was going to be able to go, go get that fourth ring. And so, you know, everybody loves, you know, even, even people who don't like LeBron and I don't understand those people, but <laughs> everybody wants to see LeBron back in the finals. It's fun. He's one of the greatest players of all time. <laughs> getting to see him back in the finals, potentially against Giannis would have been a blast or getting to see whether the Clippers who have obviously been the, you know, the, you know, second class citizens in their own city for forever, you know, standing on almost equal ground with the Lakers, at least competitively, not, not in terms of following the Lakers have them beat by a large, large percentage, but Getting to see the Clippers and Lakers, that that LA LA series was going to be, you know, something we were all looking forward to. Kawhi and Paul George against LeBron and Anthony Davis, and maybe the Clippers, this this sad sack franchise with with you know so many, you know, so much baggage in their past to finally be respectable and a, and a true contender, and to watch them potentially go to the finals would have been interesting. Uh, to see Giannis get you know another crack at getting to the finals. And certainly they were the favorites when the season stops to come out of the East and had a really good shot to do it. Um, you know, all of those things. Um, there was also you know, the subplot of while Giannis certainly has the lead in the MVP race, LeBron had 19 games left to work with. That's a big chunk of the season. Mm -hmm. And Giannis was hurt. So Giannis was going to, was going to be sitting out. We don't know how many games while LeBron was, was going to keep building his case and maybe the Lakers would have overtaken the Bucks in the standings too, which which matters in the MVP debate. So we won't know if LeBron could have overtaken him for MVP. As it stands now, if there's no more games, it's it's Giannis. Um, and then there were you know some some smaller items. Uh, I really thought the Pelicans were going to make a run at the eighth seed and and and, and actually get it. We would have see, been able to see a first round matchup of Zion against the Lakers potentially. That would have been a lot of fun. No, no nothing against John Morant and the Grizzlies, but they were teetering a little bit. And the Pelicans were coming on strong, and I, I thought New Orleans was going to get that eighth seed. And you know, we won't we won't get to see most likely how well the Westbrook Harden thing was going to work in the postseason. Could they actually get past you know the second round? Um, so there's there's yeah there's just a lot right now that that we may never get the answers to. Yeah, it's a it's a weird time in history, but uh, I appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast to talk about it. And before I before I let you go, you've been asking everybody uh, who's come onto your podcast what shows they're watching during this time to to try and get by. I want to know what shows uh, you're watching right now. Well, we took the opportunity to finally sign up for Disney Plus so that we could watch the Mandalorian, the Star Wars series. Great choice. And. Uh, that that was a that was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, I'm, I'm sad it was only eight episodes. I'm looking forward to season two whenever that may come along. And uh, so that was that was one. My my, my uh, wife and daughter and I really enjoyed that. Um, we caught up on Better Call Saul. We're finally up to speed there. Like we've been watching that. Um, we were all caught up season wise, but we weren't caught up within this season because gotcha. of NBA games. <laughs> NBA games keep me from watching. So we we we're we are now up to date on on Better Call Saul. 
Uh, as of last night, we finally are up to date on Homeland, which I, I still think is a phenomenal show. Um, so that those are those have been our, our big ones. I've uh, I've started catching up on Homeland. That's what a uh, one of my projects was, and one uh, one show that I'm excited uh, will be coming back soonish is uh, one you talk about all the time, uh, Billions. And uh, I will yes. let the listeners know that you are the reason, uh, you and your podcast are the reason that I started watching Billions. And it was one of the better viewing decisions I've probably made in my life was to, to give that a go. Because, wow, that's a, that's a great season and a great series. And just as I was, just before I was about to uh, record this with you, I saw the, the trailer for the next season. So that's going to be a lot of fun, too. Yeah, no, well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have steered you correctly there. I'm, I'm glad that that uh, recommendation was validated. And, yeah, Billions is a great show. Obviously, one of the showrunners, one of the co-creators, uh, Brian Koppelman, longtime suffering Knicks fan and season ticket holder, and, and who I've gotten to know a little bit. He's been on my podcast. And then uh, Kelly Alcoin, who plays Dollar Bill, has been on my podcast a couple of times. One of my uh, Brooklyn neighbors here. And, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic show. Absolutely, for folks, if you haven't seen it yet, go go binge that now. Get caught up before the uh, the new season starts, which is coming in about I think three and a half weeks now. They've shot uh, seven episodes, and so they're going to play those as they normally would over the course of seven weeks. And then I think there's still another three or four that are uh, that they, that they couldn't shoot because of 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 this mass shutdown that we're all in. So it's going to be a split season. For billions, but uh, I cannot wait for for it to come back. It's uh, it's it's the best. Really looking forward to that one. It's nice to have uh, something to look forward to. I know in uh, my family, uh, me and my uh, siblings all look forward to a Survivor because it's just like right now the only thing that's still coming out every week that you can look forward to. So it's a uh, it's good to have things to look forward to. But Howard, I really appreciate you uh coming on the podcast. It's great to to finally have you on. Uh, we've we've been in touch for a while now and it's just been a, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk, chat with you. Thank you very much. Phil, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. It's been fun. Thanks for all the great questions. Uh best of luck to you and to uh all of your listeners as well. And let's hope that we uh we get through this thing soon that we get um not just NBA basketball back soon, but just uh, life life in general back to normal would will be be a very welcome welcome thing. So uh, be be well for uh, everybody out there. That was Howard Beck, senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report and host of the Full Forty Eight podcast. I strongly recommend that uh, if you do uh, if you do love this kind of stuff, you definitely should be listening to the Full Forty Eight. If you listen to me uh, and my podcast, and you aren't subscribed to the full 48, I would, would highly recommend that you, you go do that now because that is just uh, one of the uh, premier uh, podcasts when it comes to NBA basketball. So definitely, definitely do that. And uh, if you liked what you heard, please feel free to leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to this. And uh, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, we've just started a basketball book series on Canada's court, and I'm looking for uh, suggestions. So if you have a great book you want to uh, see featured on the podcast, you can send that to me. I've already uh, had Jerome Weitzman on the podcast to talk about his book, uh, Tanking to the Top, which is on the Philadelphia 76ers. So that was a, a really interesting chat. Uh, so yeah, so you can send me an email at canadascourtpodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet me at Canada's Court and let me know uh, a book you want to get featured or 
or if you have any other questions or comments, you can leave those there as well. That's all for this episode of Canada's Court. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.